0: Spooky South Coast Tim Weisberg with you flying solo tonight as we are here to talk about the paranormal as we are each and every Saturday night for almost 10 years now for almost 10 years we've been coming in on Saturday nights and opening up the portal to the world of the unknown the world of the strange the world of the unusual and for 10 years we've never known what's going to actually come through that door tonight I'm trying something a little bit different. I've decided that since I am flying solo, Stephanie Burke is off, the silent assassin Matt Costa is off, science advisor Matt Moniz is off. I'm kicking it old school here a little bit. I'm I'm doing a little bit of Art Bell because uh, Art, of course, this week, if you listen to his show Midnight in the Desert, you know that he has been absent for a couple of nights. And he's posted on social media that... The reason why is because his family is under threat. Somebody has physically fired shots at his house. And so for the safety of his family, he's put the show on hold. Now that's led to other people speculating whether or not he's telling the truth and, and seeing if this is just a stunt to either increase ratings or to get off the air, what have you. Uh, whatever. I, I sent Art an email Earlier, just giving him well wishes from the spooky South Coast audience, saying that, you know, we hope that everything is well with him and his family, but it got me thinking that with all of the technology that's been going on over the last 20 years since Art Bell really took over the world with his original incarnation of Coast to Coast AM, we've brought so many bells and whistles to the show. His show and our show and a lot of these other paranormal shows that maybe it's time to just kind of take it back, at least for a night, to the way that it used to be. No streaming video cameras in the studio. You know, I I have to have the Internet and social media open because that's how so many of you reach out and get in touch with us for the show. But, you know, none of all the bells and whistles and the distractions that would normally be around us during the show. And I want to see if it changes the atmosphere. I want to see if it changes the journey that we go on for the next two hours. So I've turned off all the lights in the building. I'm sitting here in the dark. The only thing illuminating the studio right now are the the buttons on the board and the monitors from the computer screen. And as Art has said for so many years, I want to go for a ride. You want to take a ride with me? Let's do it. 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. Those are the numbers. This is going to be a night where when the show is over and you turn off the radio or you close out the radio pop app on your phone, when you shut down the computer and end the stream from WBSM.com or SpookySouthCoast.com, however you are listening to the show tonight, I want it to be a night that when you turn the radio off, it's going to take you a little while to fall asleep. Maybe it's because you're thinking. Maybe it's because whatever we discuss keeps the wheels turning in your mind. Maybe it's because some of the things that we talk about make you afraid to close your eyes, make you afraid to turn off the lights, make you afraid to go to sleep. That's what I want to do tonight. And I think that we can get there. I think we can get to that point in the journey tonight. Because the way that we've approached Spooky South Coast since day one, even before the show even aired the very first episode, which, by the way, if you've never listened to, you can get all of the... Every single episode for the last 10 years are all available on our archives, free of charge. But if you go back and listen to that first episode. (laughs) There's a very big difference. There's an undeniable energy, that's for sure. But it was overwhelming at times. And if you go back and listen all the way to that very first show, even before that was on, there were newspaper articles about the impending debut of the show. Myself and Matt Costa, we had an approach in mind of how we wanted to handle the discussions on Spooky South Coast. We had a rule of thumb. If you don't take it seriously enough, nobody's going to believe you. But if you take it too seriously, they're going to think you're nuts, and nobody's going to believe you. So we've always towed that line. We've always walked it down that path. Serious on one side, goofy on the other, trying to strike a chord right down the middle. So while we've always taken the topics very seriously, we've tried to have some fun while presenting them. And I think you've seen that with some of the shows that we've done over the last ten years. We've taken chances. We've taken risks. We've taken... Liberties that we may not have taken if we had to be a very straightforward talk show. If we were coast-to-coast AM, we wouldn't be able to do the things that we've done over the years. The structure, the format, the advertisement pressure. The hard commercial breaks, that might have impeded some of the creativity that we've been able to show over the last 10 years, which is why I'm glad that WBSM has given us such free reign over the last decade because we could do things like the first live radio drama broadcast in over 50 years. We did that. And if you listen to WBSM during the day, every year at Christmas time, they, they bring back a live performance right here on the air. And they always say, you know, until they started doing that, nobody had done it for 50 years, but that's just because on Saturday nights they'd already gone to bed. Because we did it years ago. We had our famous War of the Worlds hoax episode where we convinced the audience or at least a portion of the audience, that a UFO invasion was underway. And that the government, or whoever the quote-unquote they might be, had shown up here at the studio and were taking us off the air. We pulled that off. We've done episodes like the Roswell Smackdown, where our own Matt Moniz went toe-to-toe with John Horgan in an actual nine round debate going at it over the veracity of the story surrounding the Roswell crash we've been on the air for some of the biggest stories in the paranormal the death of Ed Warren the burning of Danvers State Hospital We were there. We were on the air for those events. The passing of Dr. Hans Holzer. We've been able to say, hey, how about instead of just going in and doing the show that we had planned tonight, we scrap it completely. And we just have a night of remembrances for Dr. Holzer. We just have John Zaffis come on and talk about Ed Warren and his life. We've been able to do that. It's been a long ride. It certainly has and it's been one that has always been interesting it's been one that has always been intriguing and there are nights i, I will tell you i won't lie there are nights that are, we come in to do the show and, and i'm not feeling it and i'm saying to myself i just i don't i don't know if i can get through the next couple of hours tonight and it it has nothing more to do with the fact that It's 10 o'clock on a Saturday night, and I might be physically, emotionally, and mentally beat. But the minute that theme song starts, and the minute the microphone comes on, I'm sucked in. I'm in this world, and I hope that you are too. And I hope that even if you haven't been with us for the entire 10 years, you're still going to go back and listen go back and hear some of those episodes that I just talked about. Because they're there. They're there. They're free. They're all there for you to test out and see what you like best. You don't have to listen to the whole thing. But just see where we've progressed along that journey. And I've been thinking, how do we celebrate our 10th anniversary? I've been thinking, how do we properly reflect back on ten years, do we do a clip show, where we come in and we talk about some of the best guests that we've ever had, where we talk about some of the most interesting moments that we've ever had? Do we play little bits and pieces of some of the, the most interesting interviews over the last decade? Do we sit here and have a big two-hour show of self-congratulations, where we bring in a birthday cake, and we have some of our favorite guests of all time call in and wish us happy birthday? Do we do that? Or do we do kind of what we normally do, what Spooky South Coast always does? Do we just come in and talk about the paranormal like it's any other Saturday night? Still working on that and willing to take your suggestions, you can email us, SpookyCrew, at SpookySouthCoast.com, or you can find us on Twitter, at SpookySC. And by the way, tonight during the show, if you would like to join in the conversation on Twitter, you can use the hashtag spooky live. And then you can follow along with that in your Twitter so that if you want to see all of the tweets, you know, just do a search for all these spooky live hashtags. And then we can see them. I can see them. I say we. But that's because we're all in this together. But tonight it's going to be a journey, it's going to be a trip, it's going to be a ride. I'll steer the ship. But I'd like you to come along for company. 508-996-0500. 877-996-1420. And I want to put a focus tonight on something. I had the chance this week to go in and film an episode of a cable access program that films in town. It's called FYI. And they film it in Taunton, Massachusetts at a beautiful studio. They have a fantastic studio there. And the set for the program was better quality than some of the sets I've been on for, for major channels and, and networks over broadcast television. And so we went and we filmed this. It airs on something like 15 different cable systems and online. So I'll let you know when, it, when it's up and available. But as I'm sitting there, they're asking me questions about the paranormal and um, it's kind of rolling around in my mind at the same time that we've gotten away from so much of this part of the discussion. That 10 years now of doing this program, we have taken for granted the fact that there are people listening to the show for the first time. And we've talked to the audience as if they've been right along with us every single week for the last decade. When in actuality there's new people following along each week and there's new people coming in to the world of the paranormal each week. There's people who have never discussed this, never listened to a talk show discussing it. Some people who have never even watched a, a paranormal television program. They might even just be flipping through the radio dial and they come across a, a voice that you know they say, "Hey, what what's this weird guy talking about?" And then they stick around and next thing you know, hopefully they're hooked. So a lot of the questions that they were asking me, because they're asking me very general questions for their audience and not for a paranormal audience, made me think that we're missing a lot of that. But we have to strike a balance. Just as I said, we have to strike that balance at the beginning of the the show when we first started it in 2006, when we first had the first discussions in late 2005. We had to strike that balance between taking it seriously and taking it too seriously. We're going to have to strike a balance going forward between putting on the show for the audience that's been with us forever and presenting it in a new and fresh way for those who are just coming on board for the first time. And it's a challenge. It really is. I've always looked at this show more as like a television program. And maybe that's why we incorporated Spooky TV as part of it, to kind of give that visual aspect as well, but I've always looked at it as being like a TV series. When you sit down on a lazy Sunday afternoon, no football on, you open up Netflix and you say, John, I always wanted to watch that show. And now they have it up here and I can start all the way at the beginning. And you turn on season one, episode one, and you proceed to watch every episode from start to finish. Obviously not all in one sitting, unless you're me. But you're having that chronological approach to the story. and You're getting everything along the way, and you're not missing anything. You're not picking up bits and pieces of story. You're getting the entire story. So I've always looked at this show as being kind of the the same way that we've put it on over the years, is the way that the audience has consumed it. Season one, episode one, going in chronological order. And that's not really the way that it works. That's how my mind works, because I can't, I can't just start watching a show in season three. You know, all of, uh, all of my friends are hugely into Doctor Who, and some of them have just decided, on a Saturday night tonight, I'm going to start watching Doctor Who, and they watch that episode, and then they watch the episodes after. Then maybe they catch a repeat here and there, but they're just into it right at the current point in the storyline. But when I decided I wanted to watch Doctor Who, I had to go all the way back to 1964, downloading whole seasons from the internet. Don't ask me where I got them. It wasn't always legal. And watching season one, episode one, and going in chronological order. And when I first hit the point where I couldn't find an episode because it was missing which a lot of those early Doctor Whos, they are missing. And people have painstakingly recreated them with the original BBC audio tracks and still photos from the production. And when I've had to search out and seek those out on the Internet, just in order to kind of keep going, that's where I hit a snag. And I tried. I tried going back to the revival, starting with Christopher, Christopher Eccleston, and started to watch those in order. And I just, I can't do it. I'm missing too much of the story. So not everybody has to consume this radio show that way, but I've always taken for granted that people have. Which is why we just jump into an episode of a show, say, talking about electronic voice phenomena and different theories around it without taking a step back and explaining to the audience exactly what it is. So you may find that there is a lot more of that coming up in year 10 of the show. And those of you who have been around for a while and those of you who are in the paranormal field and those of you who know all of this, we're going to make sure that we keep it very simple and not drone on about the basics. But we will start refreshing on a lot of this stuff. And that will also leave the door open to debate because the same definitions that we had for a lot of these things 10 years ago might not be exactly the same now. And they shouldn't be exactly the same now. In 10 years of paranormal research, if we have not advanced, if we have not found new methodologies and and new approaches and new experiments, new equipment, new theories and new reasons to get out there every weekend, then why are we still doing it? Why are we still doing it? I'm trying to think back to other points in my life. If there's anything that I would ever have chased for ten years, if there's anything that I ever would let slip through my fingers for a decade, Be so close, but not be able to get it. And the only thing I can think of is beating Super Mario Bros. 2. It's been 20-plus years. 30 years, almost. At least 25. Was it 1988? uh, uh, 87? I don't know. I don't remember exactly, but it's been a long time. That might be the only thing that I've let slip through my fingers all these years. So close, yet haven't been able to complete it. Even though I have it, I have a Nintendo, I have it on emulators, I have it on my phone. I haven't beaten it. But anyway, so in all this time of chasing after the paranormal and, and chasing after, especially in the answers to the ghost question, I haven't even began to scratch the surface on some of the other questions that we have out there. You've been kind enough to give me 10 years, and I still haven't really begun my own personal journey and my own personal exploration of the topic of aliens, of UFOs, of Bigfoot and other cryptids. I've been somebody who for a majority of my life has focused on ghosts and conspiracies, Those are my areas of interest, and my areas of expertise, but I'm still trying to make the connections between those and other aspects of the paranormal. But in all this time, I know at this point, after all of this research and all of this investigation, all of this exploration, I know that I believe that it's real. In my heart of hearts, in the deepest part of my soul, I know that a ghost exists. But I still don't know what it is. And I still don't know how to properly convey to somebody else what it is. The only thing I can do is try and put you in a position where hopefully you can experience it too. There's, there's my beep. So when we're trying to find these answers, when we're trying to dig deeper into the idea, it has to be a collective journey. And one of the questions they asked me on FYI is how everybody works together on this, how everybody who goes up, because they didn't even realize that there were teams and investigators, individuals and organizations that spend their free time traveling around and searching for the existence of ghosts. This was a completely new concept for them. This was something that they couldn't wrap their heads around. that were, well, People actually do that? People actually go out there and, and put themselves directly in the way of the paranormal like that? And I said, well, yes. And to me, it seems like such a mundane thing at this point because... Almost everybody I know is a paranormal investigator. But they asked me the question, they said, how do they all work together then? If they're all over the country, all over the world, using different methodologies and different equipment, how do they work together and share this data, share these experiences, share this research? And I said, you know what, the problem is that a lot of them don't. And I told them that's a, an episode for a, a whole different time because we have to get into all of the, the interpersonal dynamics, the politics, all that stuff, and how that all breaks down. Then they asked me the next question Why? And that's been digging at my brain a little bit for the last couple of days. Why? why if we have all these people going out and having these experiences every night of the week why is it that we've been unable to connect all the dots together and the biggest thing I can think of is that what happens when we go out and have these experiences is such a Subjective thing, such a personal thing, and maybe it's supposed to be a personal thing, that it's a a ghostly experience is such a moment that's meant for you that sometimes you don't want to share it. And then, even if you do share it, sometimes you're unable to properly convey the way that it felt to you. So we always say that, you know, for the sake of science, we need to share all of this and we need to work together. But maybe for the sake of humanity, it's better if we keep it to ourselves and internalize it. 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. We'll take a break because I'm flying solo tonight. We're going to work on the regular break schedule like we're supposed to. So uh, we'll take a break here, and we'll come back on the other side. I want to hear from you. I want to hear about some of your life-changing experiences. I want to hear some of your questions, and I'm going to share some of mine. It's Spooky South Coast here on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg with you, flying solo here in the Spooky studio tonight, but you can join in 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. Normally we we would be broadcasting Spooky TV, you'd be able to see everything going on in the studio, but tonight I'm sitting here in the dark. Tonight I'm going old school Art Bell style. We're keeping it simple. We're keeping it spooky. So you can come along for the ride. Again, 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. And you can also join in the conversation on social media using the hashtag spooky live. But I was saying before the break that a ghostly experience can be a deeply... Intense, intensely personal experience it can be something that is meant only for you over the years I've talked about a lot of my ghostly experiences here on the show I've discussed it I've blogged about it I've written about it in my books I've shared it on other people's podcasts and radio shows I've shared it on television. Because for me, it hasn't always been a personal experience. For me, sometimes it was something that I felt I was experiencing because I was supposed to tell other people about it. Rightly or wrongly, sitting in this chair and sitting behind this microphone People trust me. Now, I would hope that you trust me because for 10 years I haven't let you down. You shouldn't just blindly trust me because I'm I'm on the radio. But in that time, people have come to trust me and, and believe me and will take the stories that I tell them at face value. So that was part of my reasoning for sharing those stories with you. But for other people, you hear it all the time, and I, I hear it all the time. One-on-one, in person, they'll tell me a story, and they'll say, just don't, don't repeat that on the air, or, or don't write about that, because I want that to be my story. I'm just telling you because I needed to tell somebody else. And that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with wanting to have that story for yourself. In fact, those are probably the stories that make our belief the strongest. Those are the stories that make you keep chasing after it and having it happen again. 508 996 0500 877 996 1420. Good evening. You're first on Spooky South Coast. How are you? All
1: right. How are you doing?
0: I'm spooktacular.
1: Well, that's good to hear. Um, I had a question for you. I would called a couple of weeks ago and I would mentioned something about past lives and all that stuff, but don't have to get into that right away. I was wondering with all of your experience over the past 10 years, what is your understanding of reality and the paranormal and what human beings are and so on? And how did that change over the past 10 years, given your investigations and the other things that you've come across over that time period?
0: Well, one thing I've learned, for, first and foremost, more than anything, is that as much as we have advanced in our knowledge of, of who we are and, and what kind of mastery we might feel we have over the world, there's a lot of things that are out there that we're not even attempting to perceive And attempting to measure, and that once we do, we would realize how infinitely small we are. And and we always say that, you know, we need science to pursue the world of the paranormal because it's the next great frontier for them to explore. But I think part of the reason why we don't explore that is because when we keep things limited to the physical world, we can say to ourselves that we are you know, the alpha beings here, that we are the, the top of the food chain, so to speak, even though I know that there's, you know, other things that would eat us. But, you know, we're kind of the top of the pecking order when it comes to uh, the ability to uh, outthink and, and outreason the other creatures on Earth. But when you start opening up this world to having infinite layers that we can't see, that we can't perceive, and that we can't measure by our understanding of physics, it takes us all the way back to being small and wandering around in the dark again. So that's probably the biggest thing that I've learned is that there's a lot more uh, out there than than we've had an understanding of. But it's it's made me, for one thing, it's made me more understanding and more tolerant of other people's belief sets when I never really was before because I don't have a belief set. I didn't come into this with any type of even spiritual or religious belief. But now I can kind of understand where people develop those because when this stuff happens to you, it is life-changing.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I know that, for example, if <clears throat> I've come across things such as, um, oh, heck, you uh, you can go on YouTube or whatever, and you can find videos for everything. Mm-hmm. And, for example, there are people out there who will say that Bigfoot or UFOs are demonic manifestations or whatever, and... Which I happen to be slightly skeptical of, as far as that goes. But if you come in with a particular mindset, that it can skew your investigation, as far as that goes. One, it can tilt it one way or the other, because it you get into uh, you see the things that confirm your viewpoint, and you don't see the things that throw it
0: off. We call it confirmation bias, where right. you're, you're going into it automatically. You know, <laughs> I mean, you should be going in with a theory anyway. You should at least have some sort of operational understanding of what it is that you're looking for, but you can't let that theory uh, dictate what it is that you're finding. And that's what ends up happening with a lot of these investigative teams that are out there, because they're not trained scientists. They're people who just learned how to hunt ghosts by watching TV or reading a book or or seeing somebody else do it incorrectly. So they're walking into it with the idea of saying, you know, this place is haunted. We're going to find the ghosts. When in actuality, what you should be saying is, you know, let's go in here and and see what's happening Mm -hmm. and see how that fits into our understanding of of what the world is. Yeah,
1: because you might run into a phenomenon in an old building or whatever else and find out that you have something like infrasonic sound that's stimulating people in a way that makes them feel scared or something like that. It has nothing to do with the with the paranormal at all, uh, what is your given your experience? What is your current theory that you go in with as far as when you're looking at a paranormal investigation in a new site or whatever? How do you approach that?
0: When I go into it, my uh, my idea is to take the stories that I've heard and the experiences that people have had there, and use that as kind of the basis. Of going in and trying to have a similar experience. Uh-huh. When things start to happen and it, it seems like it's a mundane repeating of, of everything that has already happened before, you know, that does kind of set off a red flag to me of maybe there is certainly a, a world, you know, an earthly, a, a non paranormal explanation for it. Uh-huh. But when I can go in there and, and, and add to that narrative, you know, that only helps in my mind expand more about what's going on and draw in more interest and draw in hopefully more research. So I go into it with a theory, and my my basic fundamental theory is that this stuff happens everywhere and that certain places just have a better uh, number of factors for us to perceive it. And so I'm going in there trying to find those factors so that eventually I can connect all those dots and say to somebody, okay, you live in this type of house with this type of stuff going on, this type of foundation, running water through the backyard, all that. Okay, now try this, and I bet you you'll have a paranormal experience. You know, That's what I'm hoping I can eventually do. But I've actually gotten past the point where I need to prove anything to myself anymore, and I'm just bringing other people along for the ride. Mm
1: -hmm. What is your current best understanding of what a ghost actually is? or if there's more than one variety what the what those varieties are
0: my basic theory is that it is just the remaining energy of a person that existed that it doesn't have to necessarily be a soul because it doesn't have to have unfinished business it doesn't have to have a personal connection to another person here you know there's there's no uh, reason like that for it to still exist. I think that what it is is it's the energy that comprises us. And as the first law of thermodynamics tells us, energy cannot be created or destroyed, it can only change. When our physical bodies die, mm-hmm. this energy is supposed to dissipate out into the ether and, and bond up with other energy mm-hmm. and go on and exist in another form. But for some reason, sometimes it retains the energy of where it just was. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know why that makes it so that it can intelligently interact with people, but at the very least, I know that it explains why, you know, it, it still hangs around these places where we were known to frequent when we were alive.
1: Are you familiar with the old Egyptian concept of seven souls? Shall we say? Um,
0: well, expand on that a little bit. What, what exactly? Okay.
1: William Burroughs did a uh, <clears throat> did a book called the. Western lands. And there is a, a music group that I forget the name of off the top of my head, but they also did a wonderful piece called Seven Soul, Souls that was also used in um, as, as a snippet in the background during one of the shows of The Sopranos. And it talks about being that instead of having one soul, you have seven souls. The top soul is the the primary identity director of the life and so on. And when you die, it goes off. And the last soul, that's what's left over is the remains. And there are intermediate levels in between depending on what's going on. And you can certainly have in there things that hang around, but they're kind of whatever you know, would be the equivalent of a ghost or whatever, and there are others that you know. It's like you have a conglomeration of phenomena that, when it, when the person dies, they separate and they go their particular separate ways, and some may hang together longer than others. It's an interesting concept, and it's, it's occasionally useful. And it's from ancient Egypt, and it's it's out of the book that uh, Burroughs uh, did, uh, which is called the Western Land. And there's a music piece that was used as I had mentioned before. Um, and so that sort of ties in with what you had been saying as far as like you experienced uh these these phenomena and it's like may not be anyone there, it's just the echo of something going on there. Have you uh had any do you feel like uh this is locked into a specific location let's say uh the place of a of a tragic event or could it is this something where like you go to a graveyard the person's already been dead for several days and so the energy may be still there with the the surrounding the body in the graveyard
0: yeah, I mean, I don't think that it's really r- bound by any physical measures. Uh, that's one of the things that I find to be the, the weirdest part of it, is that we've gone into this with an approach of, you know, these spirits are trapped here. They uh-huh. they must be trapped here, or else why would they be here? Uh-huh. And I, I think that that kind of doesn't really explain the nature of what the energy is to begin with. It It's not really that the energy is trapped there. Maybe it's just that the energy is best perceived there Uh and and not to get too metaphysical on people but really that's what we're doing anyway sure and if your soul if your energy exists everywhere all at once it would probably make more sense that other people would zero in on it at the places where you were so you're not trapped there it's Uh just that your uh imprint is strongest there Uh and i think that that's probably what ends up happening in a lot of these places
1: okay well i know my well I can see that, and I have different perceptions on that. How do you feel in terms of uh, the concept of, like i would called before, and we've talked a little bit about past lives, future lives, and all that stuff. How do you feel about that? Does that make sense, or do you think that when a person dies, eventually all the energy manifestations eventually unravel and it just sort of dissipates or whatever?
0: Well, I think that it probably plays in pretty well with my theory because that energy that makes up, uh, you or I in this particular existence for us, if that energy is retained and stays together but still goes and powers another physical shell, then I could understand why it would probably keep some of the same, uh, you know, some of the same traces of, of what made us who we are as well. So even though it's, it's not that, our entire soul, so to speak, has been reincarnated to somebody else, it's still retaining some sort of energetic identity. And, and maybe there's probably uh, some sort of, at, the, at, at subatomic levels that we don't understand yet, uh-huh. there probably is some retained imprint within that energy. Uh-huh. If you broke down those bonds and you broke down those electrons all the way down to the smallest quarks, maybe there is something in there that retains that identity uh-huh. And, and basically records it. But we just don't know that yet.
1: Uh-huh. My particular personal opinion is that uh, ultimately what you call the spirit or the soul or whatever label you want to place on there is ultimately not matter, not energy, not space, and or not time. It's sort of like uh, you could say a visitor from another universe type of thing. Hmm. And that it interacts with this current universe just as much as, let's say, if I put my finger into a pool of water, I can see the ripples, which would be the physical universe type of thing. So you can still carry all of the debris and energy remains and stuff like that, but ultimately what you're dealing with is something that's not a physical universe quantity. This sort of sidesteps a lot of the issues of, well, is it real or is it not real? It's not a physical universe quantity, so therefore, you know, you can still have interaction. You can still have a lot of, uh, how shall we say, you know, the various manifestations that you have because you can communicate with the universe in many different ways. But it's just one of those things of, you know, it doesn't have to be a physical universe thing, as far as that goes.
0: Well, definitely some great points to ponder. We are just about up against the news break, but I thank sure. you very much for the call.
1: You're welcome, and I uh, wish you a uh, pleasant holiday period.
0: And to you as well. Take care. Thank you. And uh, we do have another call on the line. Uh, we'll try and squeeze that, and we have about two and a half minutes caller for you. Uh, how are you? What's on your mind? Good.
2: Uh, my husband died in 1994. Sorry to hear that. And my daughter was very close to him, and she saw him twice. She lived in Fall River, and she was sitting in her living room, and she looked across, and she had her dining room. He was at the table. She couldn't see the bottom half of him, but she saw the like the waist up, and she says, Ma, he had a white, white, white shirt on, and he had his elbow on the table, and he was rubbing his forehead, and used to do that when things bothered him. And then the last time she saw him... She had moved to Swansea, and she was married 16 years, and she finally had a baby. And she was in her living room, just laying on the couches. I wasn't sleeping. Just I saw Dad come near, like vaporize a little bit. I could see the side of his face, and he looked into the bassinet, and he made a big smile, and he just just disappeared very slowly. Hmm. So, you know. I wish I could see him, but she's a lucky one. She got to see him twice,
0: though. Well, it sounds like it it, it really was a matter of, you know, he was coming back for a visit. That first Mm -hmm. vision might have been, you know, uh, what they call a residual haunt. It's just his energy kind of hanging around Mm -hmm. and doing what he would normally do. But the fact that the second time that he actually interacted with those who were around him, Uh, is pretty intriguing. It's it's very special. I mean, some... some...
2: She she says, I wasn't sleeping. I was awoke. I was just lying down at that time when she had the baby. She was just laying down, and she looked up, and she saw that figure near the bassinet, and all she could see was the side of his face, and then she saw, like, a big smile, and then he just kind of, like, vaporized.
0: You know what, though? But I bet you he's still around you. You haven't seen him yet, but I bet you he's still there. Maybe (laughs) someday. All right. Okay, thank you. Thank you. You have a great holiday. You too. Bye-bye. And, you know, that's one thing to always keep in mind. And, and we say this all the time when, when Stephanie's here, she knows better than anybody that your loved ones are all around you and that you never do reach a point where that they, their energy, their essence isn't around you. That doesn't mean that it's their ghost. And we can get into that coming up in the next hour. I can at least give you kind of what I believe about that. The fact that you can have your loved ones around you without them actually haunting you. So we'll get into all that, plus whatever else is on your mind, coming up with more Spooky South Coast after the news. of Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg with you, manning the ship alone tonight here in the Spooky studio. It's just myself, and I'm sitting here in the dark, kicking it old school style, just like the way Art used to do his show. And speaking of Art Bell, we are on the Dark Matter Radio Network, as well as broadcasting live on WBSM and on Spooky TV, usually at SpookySouthCoast.com, but no Spooky TV tonight because I'm sitting here in the dark by myself. And all you would see is the glow of the buttons on the board in front of me and the the light coming off the monitors, which is all that I can see tonight as I talk to you about the paranormal. And we will get right back into it coming up in just a moment, but I want to let everybody know about a pretty cool thing that's happening next weekend right here on the South Coast. For those of you who don't know, Amy Bruni, you know her from Ghost Hunters. You know her from years of being a paranormal investigator. She has a company called Strange Escapes, which takes people on haunted holidays all around the country. And Strange Escapes is actually headquartered right in New Bedford, Massachusetts, in the haunted Edward Haskell house. Well, coming up this weekend, no, next weekend, December 19th and 20th, It's a Christmas mixer you'll actually look forward to attending because it's going to be the Ghosts of Christmas Past with Amy Bruni and her very special guest, Chip Coffee. They're having two sessions again, December 19th and 20th. Each session is limited to just 15 people and will be hosted in the haunted Edward Haskell House, which is the home to Strange Escapes. You'll hear stories of Chip and Amy's experiences over the years, plus gain insight on Chip's psychic abilities and how he realized he had a gift. This includes your chance to get photos taken, autographs signed, and light refreshments will also be included as well. But if you want to get your tickets, you have to act fast because they're going quickly and there might not be any left if you try to wait until next weekend in order to get your tickets. So you have to do so now. Uh, There's going to be, again, two sessions each night. The first session on December 19th from 6 to 7.30, the second from 8 to 9.30, and then on the 20th the same thing, 6 to 7.30, and then 8 to 9.30. And it's located right here in New Bedford, Massachusetts. There's hotels nearby, there's airports nearby. So if you want to come out and hang out with Amy and Chip, you can get here pretty simply. Uh, It does not include a paranormal investigation, and it's not a psychic reading, just so you know that. It's your chance to learn about those abilities and your chance to learn about their experiences and hear some of their stories. But it's not going to be an actual investigation or an actual reading. But if you want to get your tickets again, just go to strange-escapes.com if you would like to take part. And you can find all the information about how to purchase your tickets there as well. And if you do go, let us know what you think. Because Amy does a lot of great workshops over there at her office and, uh, and of course, it's great for the local people here because it's a place where you can go and learn about the paranormal right here in your own backyard. And speaking of learning about the paranormal and doing so here in your own backyard, we talked about uh, in the last hour, we were discussing some theories on what ghosts are. And I had mentioned to the caller that ghosts aren't always, I'm sorry, that the loved ones who are always around us are not always around us in the form of ghosts, if that makes any sense. Sometimes their energy and their essence is just around us without the ability or even the need to physically interact with us or our environment. Someone was telling me earlier this week about a ghost they had in their house for the longest time that would take their keys and their cell phones and their wallets and hide them so they couldn't find them. And that they felt that this was the ghost of one of their loved ones playing a trick on them because it's something that they would do when they were alive. But not every ghost feels the need to make physical contact like that. Not every spirit. And see, that's another thing. I've always used those terms interchangeably because as a writer and as a storyteller... And as a communicator, you're often looking for different words to describe the same thing. So you're looking for a way to keep talking about the same subject without having to keep bringing up the same word because then it becomes tedious to the person that's listening or to reading. So I will use ghost, spirit, I'll use those interchangeably along with other terms as well. But I honestly do think that there's a difference between a ghost and a spirit. I think a ghost is the remaining energy that uh, lies behind, remains behind, that is trying to interact with us, that is trying to be known and be perceived. And a spirit can also be that. But a spirit can also just be someone's energy, someone's essence, someone's soul that stays around us. So I think that you can have a spirit that is a ghost, and you can have a ghost that is a spirit. But I think that the level of its interaction and the point of its inter uh, the point of it being around you can be different 508-996-0500 877-996-1420 i'd like to know what your thoughts are on that uh, as well as anything else you would like to discuss in the world of the paranormal and this is one of those nights where pretty much anything is on the table. Any theory you want to bring up there, and the caller in the last hour had mentioned uh, that there's different theories out there for a lot of things. And some people feel he used the example of, you know, uh, UFOs or Bigfoot or whatever being alien, uh, being demonic entities, and that was one of the questions that came up when I was doing that FYI show, the the cable access show this past week is they asked about the reality of demons and that if you encounter a negative spirit does that mean that you are encountering a demon and I know that sitting here in the dark I don't want to go down the path of talking about the demonic realm Especially here, because I will tell all of you out there, if you're not already aware of this, this studio is haunted. Not the studio itself, per se, because I've never had anything happen here in the studio around these microphones. But the building is haunted. There are cabinets. We have a little kitchenette area in... Center of the building. Now, for those of you who have never been here, I'll give you a quick little idea of the layout. WBSM and our sister station on the FM dial, Fun 107, we share this space. There are two studios at either end of the building, and then there's all the offices. There's offices for the DJs and the hosts. Offices for the salespeople, uh, for all of the uh, di- for the digital side of things. There's a newsroom for the news organization, you know, for the news uh, aspect of the organization. There's production studios, and in the middle of all of this is a little kitchenette. And if you're walking from the studio to the restroom, which is in the back end of the building, you're going to walk by that little kitchenette. There's a Keurig coffee machine, a little mini fridge, and some cabinets. And normally on a Saturday morning, you'll hear me if you listen to the Saturday morning show, you'll hear me talk about going and getting my cup of coffee and all that stuff. On Saturday nights, I don't drink coffee because I don't want to stay up all night after the show. So I never go into that kitchenette area. No one on the show ever goes into that kitchenette area. But I can tell you that I have gone down there. I've been the only person in the building. I've gone down there to use the restroom and the cabinets are closed. And when I come back out of the restroom and I'm heading back to the studio, they're wide open. Last Saturday night, the show is over. Moni's left. Stephanie and I stayed behind and talked for a little bit. We both left at the same time. And I said, "Oh, I'm 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 going to go back in and use the restroom before I go home." Cuz I don't want to pull over on the side of the road and go into the woods, you know, not to get graphic on you, but I'm I'm going to go inside and I'm going to use the restroom before I leave. So I came back in. I'm in the restroom for about 10 seconds. And while I'm in there, I hear the water come on in the other bathroom and then turn off. Nobody else in the building. Stephanie and I have been here in the studio before. Now, it's not uncommon that when we are here in the studio... Uh, Because we stay around, we talk, I I work on the podcast, uploading things, trying to upload YouTube videos. I do all of that uh, after the show, usually. And I know I'm a couple weeks behind on the podcast, but I'm going to get those caught up. And so we'll be sitting here in the studio talking, and we usually have the door closed to the hallway on multiple occasions. It's, It's not uncommon, by the way, for some of the other people who work in the building, to come in on a Saturday night and do some production work. One one person in particular, you know, they have another job, they work night shifts, so they'll come in and they'll do their stuff after that. But when somebody comes in, you can hear them. You hear the door open. You, there's There's multiple doors to get back here, and you hear them all open. And you'll see we're sitting in front of a big glass window, so we see everybody that pulls into the parking lot. And usually, if it's Dave, he'll walk in, He'll, you'll hear the door open and close, you'll hear the second door open and close, he'll walk by, he'll wave, he'll say hello, and then he'll walk into the production room, which is the production booth It's right next to the studio. There's a glass wall between this studio and the production booth. The light will come on, and we'll see that he's in there. We say, oh, Dave's in here doing some of his work. On this particular night, one I mean, it's happened multiple times where we have had our door closed, but we can see in the glass of our door a figure walking by. We have seen on more than one occasion with the door wide open a figure walking by. On one particular night, we saw a figure walk by the door, a shadow figure walk by the door, And then the automatic light came on in the production booth, and nobody was there. We literally saw this physical form walk by our door and into the production booth, and when the light came on, it was gone. It had enough solid mass to trigger that sensor light, and then just disappeared out of nowhere. So you can understand why I'm a little bit reluctant tonight to go down the demonic path in our discussion. But the question was asked of me nonetheless about these negative entities that people encounter. And my response was that, listen, not every person is a good person. So then not every ghost is going to be a good ghost. Not every spirit that you encounter is going to be benevolent and want to reach out and communicate and interact. And if you ask it questions, give you a response. And that's what's a really strange part of paranormal investigation, by the way, is that we go out there all the time trying to communicate with these ghosts, thinking... That they want to communicate with us. It's kind of a selfish and egotistical point of view on our part. Because when someone passes away, what do we say to them? What's the sentiment that we give to all of those who are no longer with us? Rest in peace. So we want those who have passed on to rest in peace. But then if there's the slightest possibility that they might be hanging around someplace, we're going to come bombing in with all kinds of equipment, yelling questions into the air and demanding answers. But the question still remains... What do I think of those who encounter these negative entities? And so my answer was that, listen, I think a lot of times they're actually encountering formerly living people who just decide to not be nice, not to interact, not to help out, uh, to be combative and to be negative. The more I think about it, if there are those entities out there who exist solely for the purpose of evil and solely to be negative. I don't know that the average run-of-the-mill paranormal investigator or paranormal team is going to see that negativity right off the bat. Because wouldn't you want to give somebody a false sense of hope? Wouldn't wouldn't the, the definition of evil to be to suck them in and then turn the tables on them. Not just to be mean outright from the beginning. I've said this before on the show and I'm going to say it again now. I still think that the concept of good and evil exists only in our minds. And that when it does exist in our minds it becomes a very subjective idea. What I think is evil might be different than what you think of e- is evil. There are agreed upon mores that are out there. But they're agreed upon based on the tenets of society that we have created ourselves. I don't think that if you go out into nature, I don't think there are evil bears, for example. I don't think there are, you know, there aren't evil deer walking around through the woods. They just exist, and they just are. And sometimes they might take action that is against another of their own kind that doesn't make them evil it probably makes them confused or it probably makes them surviving we don't put that on them because we assume that they don't have reason we assume that they don't have that capability that ability so if you can't reason you can't be evil but I still think that it's subjective. I still think that the way that a spirit might interact with you, you might see it as negative. You might see it as evil, but it might not. And that maybe when we pass away, and if we do find some greater truth, if we do find some answers to the meaning of life, then maybe that idea of good and evil, of positive and negative, goes away. Maybe it's a small-minded, narrow-minded view. Maybe there's just such a thing as... I, I don't even know how to put it. But maybe there's just such a thing as... just doing... harm just doing something that ends up causing somebody else harm. And it doesn't have all this extra baggage attached to it. The same way uh, one dog will, will snipe at another dog when they're fighting over a bone. It's not evil. It's just getting your point across. But I think that the evil that we do when we're alive, in which we mean to hurt one another, Is evil. But I have to imagine that has to go away when you evolve into a form in which you can no longer do harm to one another or feel harm. 508 996 0500 877 996 1420. We'll take a break and come back with more here on Spooky Sucks. South Coast, Tim Weisberg with you, flying the ship solo tonight. Uh, the gang should be back together next Saturday night when our guest will be Lynn Marie. She will be here talking tarot and giving some readings. We're going to talk some holiday spirituality as well, coming up next Saturday night here on Spooky South Coast, which you can tune into each and every Saturday night from 10 to midnight, and of course, hear the podcast following the show on iTunes or wherever podcasts are found. We also rebroadcast each week on the Dark Matter Radio Network which is the home of Art Bell's Midnight in the Desert. Art has gone on what may be a permanent hiatus um, because his family has been threatened. He has been shot at. Apparently during his broadcast uh, there are some safety concerns going forward so he's assessing the situation. He did announce that Uh, He is no longer doing the show because of these threats, because of this safety concern. But uh, he has said in the last day or so that he may reevaluate that depending on what goes on. But as of right now, they have no idea what's going on, so he feels it's in the best interest not to put his family at risk. So some people have been questioning that and, and saying that maybe Art is just trying to get away from doing the show, maybe the ratings aren't what he was looking for, maybe the subscriptions isn't what he's looking for, and he's just trying to get out of it, and that there are no police reports. Well, he started publishing those police reports to try to clear up any questions anybody has. So he'll have more on that coming up. Uh, Of course, just stay tuned to ArtBell.com to find out more information. I did extend the invitation to him to come on the show. If he feels like uh, he needs a platform to explain a little bit more, and doesn't want to run the risk of broadcasting his own show, then, of course, he's always welcome here. I'd love to just get him some night anyway and pick his brain for a couple of hours. So hopefully we can work that out down the line. 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. If you would like to call in and share whatever's on your mind, and we'll go right back to the phones. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you?
3: Good. Good morning. I mean, good evening, Tim. First time since September. I
0: haven't
3: called you in the morning and at night. Talk to you this morning. Hey, um, does my does my phone number pop up on your monitor?
0: Um, let me check and see. It looks like it. Yes.
3: Okay. Can you write it down? I need to give me a call later on or at some point tomorrow. Uh, an event happened to me and around me a few weeks ago that um, a few people were witness to, and um, it's taken me in the last couple of days just to kind of rebound emotionally and mentally. And I was hoping maybe to maybe put together you and maybe Stephanie, um, there yeah, were I've, I've discussed on the year before certain things happened around me and to me in my life, but this one, this one was very, um, troubling. And, uh, actually somebody said to me this morning, after I told my I called on the show, they said, why don't you call Tim and try to get together and meet up with him, see what they think. Um, it's happened around me before, but never to this level.
1: Hmm.
3: Uh, something very troubling. And, um, it was almost like I, I kind of saw it coming. and was like, "Nah, that's not going to happen," and it really scared me when it actually came through. Um, so I was wondering if you could just give me a shout in a couple of days so we can get together.
0: Yeah, I mean, even if you know how our schedules are, mm-hmm. even if we can't work something out, we can always you know we can make sure that we find you the right help for sure. Because uh, yeah. you you know you got to have people that you can trust when you want to share. Oh, something absolutely! Like that. And I've,
3: I've, through through the years, I've come to build, build a good rapport with you guys and. uh, I've had friends of mine, it's kind of strange. I tell them all the time, just call in. Because they listen to me and they hear me also say, hey, I haven't heard you on Tim's show a long time. I haven't heard you in the morning show. So I get a lot of friends and uh, that's good. And I'm kind of back on the balance beam, as my friends would say. I had a little thing going on my life, but just, and only the sweet people who knew kind of realized that, wow. Because um, I like to consider myself a survivor and I've been through a lot in life. And for something that's thrown me to rock me for days at a time, um, it was definitely above above the average, but I'm kind of back on the balance beam and I'm grateful for it.
0: Yeah, though well, i certainly don't let anything knock you off. Uh, oh, no, no, no. And, and, I, I mean, when it's anything like that, too, where, you you know, it, it does shake you like that, it rocks you to like, like that, you know, it, it can be very, it, it makes you question everything. It makes you start from every moment of your day, it makes you question everything.
3: Yeah, there, there was a, I mean, I, I've been through a lot of my life, like the last few years of physical and stuff, and, um, I found my, there was a couple of days after this, I found myself thinking all kinds of negative stuff, self-destructive things. Even thought about going out and tidying and getting high and drinking again, and that ain't gonna do me no good after my stroke about a year and a half ago. And, um, but it's like, but I, I have a support system and like, I was reaching two people instead of isolating from, because you get that, oh, I don't want to bring people down feeling. Mm-hmm. And that just adds to the depression and the negative thoughts. But, um, so how's your family doing?
0: Well, we're doing well. I mean, you know, uh, this time of year is always stressful for everybody, but... Uh, hey, just
3: about the time you got involved on a more steady level at the station, wasn't there a young lady on the phone on side, I think, was it Panther or something, she passed away suddenly?
0: Uh, well, uh, Sharon passed away a few years ago from a heart attack. Okay,
3: yes. Somebody mentioned to me her name like two days ago because I was next door at Scrambles. Mm-hmm. And they said that in the parking lot sometimes at night or like in the early morning there's things you just can't explain and I say that's Sharon's presence keeping people awake
0: it could be I mean some people have speculated that it's her that's hanging around here I don't want to suggest anything you know because I don't want to upset any of the surviving family
3: I, I mean and actually, it's in respect for it, because sometimes it's a good spirit. It's not a negative thing.
0: We have, we've lost a few people here at the station uh, over the last few years, and, and people who are associated with the station who have passed away. And I, I do feel like a lot of them could be around. I also feel like whatever is here could also be something that, you know, even predates there being a station here. It could even predate there being a, a strip mall here, and it could be any number of factors that are contributing to what goes on. But there's, there's certainly some kind of a presence in here.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Too, too too many things happen. Too many people witness strange things. To, to that, to not look at that, say something's there.
0: And I've had but people that work here that have told me, "Listen, I don't believe in the stuff that you guys talk about on Saturday nights, but I don't like to be here alone either." So, what does that tell you? You know, <laughs> it means they're having yeah. something go on.
3: Okay, my friend. Like I said, give me a shout. All right, I get the opportunity.
0: And you uh, keep your head up, and we'll talk soon.
3: Okay, buddy. Bye bye. Take care.
0: 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420 are the numbers. If you would like to call in, we're going to take our final break of the show, and then we'll join up on the other side with some more discussion here on Spooky South Coast. And welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg with you, the final 10 minutes of the program. If you would like to call in, 508-996-0500, Like I said, 10 minutes remaining in the program. And you know what? I'm going to put a challenge out there. I want you to scare me with a true ghost story before we go off the air. Someone call in with a true ghost story that is particularly horrifying. We'd love to hear it. Uh, One thing that I do want to mention, of course, is that today... December twelfth, the one hundredth anniversary of the birth of Frank Sinatra. He would have been a hundred years old today, old blue eyes, the chairman of the board. Born one hundred years ago today, and profound impact on my life. Love his music, love his style, loved his attitude, loved the whole rap pack. Everything if you go all the way back to, you know, early Sinatra when he was with the Tommy Dorsey band and all the way up through when he basically ruled the music world in his later years. I talked this morning about all that he did for those composers who would have been forgotten in the rock and roll era had he not came up with new, fresh takes of their songs, and how he also spotlighted some of the up-and-coming artists as well by covering their songs. For example, covering Yesterday by the Beatles and giving legitimacy to Lennon and McCartney as songwriters, to those who didn't appreciate the Beatles' music. But there is a paranormal connection to Frank Sinatra as well, because the Riviera Hotel in Las Vegas, he said to haunt that hotel. There was an episode of Ghost Adventures where they actually went and investigated there. The team and, and Vince Neil and some others looking for the ghost of Frank Sinatra, and they believe they encountered it. Now that's one ghost that I could imagine would be very forceful in the way that it conducted business, because Frank Sinatra, when you went into a room, everyone says that when, when you went into a room, he commanded that room. He would bring 45 people out to lunch, a two-hour lunch, and you might never see you know, not, might never speak directly to Frank in that whole two hours. but he would command that room. So maybe he does hang around the Riviera. Maybe he does hang around Vegas. Maybe he does choose to remain there. But one thing's for sure, if Frank Sinatra's ghost is there, he, it's there because he wants to be. Nobody f- traps the spirit of Frank Sinatra. <laughs> he is the chairman of the board, whether he's living or not. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred eight seven seven nine nine six fourteen twenty. There's a lot of talk too right now about the ghost arc device, which, for those of you who've been following along, it should be a device that, if all goes well, and I've seen the actual prototype in action in a Skype conversation with the inventors. If all goes well, it should replace a lot of the gear that investigators are carrying around. But there's also been a lot of delays, and people are starting to get nervous. Because this device was supposed to be ready months and months ago. It was supposed to be released during the summer, and then by September, and then by October, and now here it is December, and we still haven't seen it. I still haven't even received my test unit yet. So people are starting to get concerned because they've laid down money on pre-orders with no signs yet that they will be fulfilled anytime soon. Well, the Ghost Arc people have said that the devices will actually start rolling out in January and that very shortly I should be receiving the test model. Now, I don't know... What very shortly means, but maybe they decided to skip the testing phase and said, you know, let's just get them out there into people's hands and then you can let us know what happens. I don't know, but I've uh, reached out to them and tried to get a specific date as to when I will have a device in my hands. I will periscope it as soon as I get it, and you'll be able to see that video up on Twitter and on Facebook. I'm going to put it all over the Internet. And you will see it arrive. You will see me unbox it. And then my plan is to take it to Lizzie Borden's and put it into use and, and see what happens. So I'll keep you up to date for all of that. But a lot of you out there were thinking about picking these up as Christmas gifts for the paranormal investigator in your life, and you wanted to get it and maybe put it in there, you know, at the very least, you know, put the receipt for ordering it, Uh, In their stocking, maybe. But I can tell you that, according to the Ghost Ark team, it's coming very, very, very soon. Now, plenty plenty of you enough have felt that they've had enough time, they've had adequate time, that you don't want to give them any more money until you see it delivered to other people who have already paid for it. That's fine. That's, you're certainly welcome to that. But I'll say this. I'm not completely discouraged yet. But I do want to see some results pretty soon. One more final little bit of news. Something that make, may make you fans of the 90s excited. Crystal Pepsi is back for a limited time. You have to be part of Pepsi's Pepsi Pass program in order to get it. But you earn points through this promotion. Promotion. Uh, Let's see, you can earn points by signing up, by entering promotional codes, by hanging out with friends who also have Pepsi Pass, referring friends, or by visiting Pepsi Pass locations. Okay. But 13,000 winners will be announced next week and should receive their Crystal Pepsi Packs on December 24th. So... For those of you who are younger and never tried Crystal Pepsi, the idea behind it was that it was supposed to be just like Pepsi, only see-through. And I don't know why, in the 1990s, we felt like this was revolutionary. But we liked our drinks clear in the 1990s. It was the era of the clearly Canadian. It was the era of From ABC News, Tech Trends, Uber gets involved in My computer decided to fire off. It was the era of tab clear. It was the era of Zima. We liked our drinks clear in the 90s. But Crystal Pepsi did not taste like Pepsi. It tasted citrusy. And I didn't know anybody that liked it. And anybody who's pushing for it now is just pushing for it for nostalgic value more than anything. That being said, any of you out there who win the six-pack, if you want to send me a bottle, I'd be cool with that. That about does it for this week's show. We'll be back next Saturday night with our guest Lynn Marie as we will be talking about tarot and Christmas spirituality and a variety of other topics as well. So we look forward to talking to you then. Remember, you can get a hold of us all week long spooky crew at spookysouthcoast. com or you can also uh, find us on Twitter at spooky SC. you can find me on Twitter at Tim Weisberg and uh, that's a great way to reach out and interact with us as well. We'd love to hear who you are, where you listen from and how you listen. So shout out to us uh, either on Twitter or send us an email and let us know. So until next week then for Matt for Matt, for Chris, for Stephanie, I'm Tim, and we want you all to stay spooktacular.